Hi, this is Bill Cumby. I'm a teacher at uh, First Church Ministries in Newport News, Virginia. We're studying the book of Genesis. Uh, I updated the slide finally so that we're in 2020 to 21. And uh, we're actually in Genesis about the middle right now. Uh, we're going to uh, start in uh, 29 today. And the key verse of Genesis is, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And... Uh, I just I emphasize that because um, God created the universe, uh, space, time, and us so that we'd have fellowship with him. Okay? And so, so this whole story of creation that starts at the beginning plays out in, in Genesis. And we see him actually fellowshipping with man and the fellowship broken and being reestablished and taking a chosen uh, family that then becomes a nation. And um, we've had, there's actually been a gap of time since our last lesson. Um, and, and during that gap of time, a lot of stuff has come up that I, I really see how God uses time in my life. That's a, a big issue. It has been for a couple years of meditating about time and stuff. But one of the things that has happened is uh, I had a chance to, uh, uh, in the evening I've had trouble going to sleep, and so I've started listening to the Bible on tape over periods of time and actually dozing off to it at times, but, but listening to it. And one passage that I've been listening to over and over again is Isaiah 40, chapter 40 through 66. And during that time, I never realized how much Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were mentioned in that passage. In fact, um, I was talking with my wife about it, and it was like, it's, it's like every chapter mentions Jacob. There, there, are, there are more references. Jacob is mentioned on average once every chapter in chapter 40 through 66. And he's not talking about actually Jacob most of the time. He's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants. But it's interesting because Isaiah sits at the end of the New Testament canon, really, pretty much just before the, the captivity. Uh, and this is the beginning. And, we, and you see in Isaiah God's intent for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the whole, the whole uh, Israelite nation, and all believers. And so it's, it's just a beautiful blessing to see God's love and concern in a family here. So why? Why am I going to all this? Well, because these stories are written not just to give us background history. These stories are written to help us understand how God interacts with us individually and as families too. And so the lessons we see here are, th are everyday things that happen in real families. And you, can, you know they happen. And, uh, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And sometimes the response is godly and sometimes it's ungodly. But it's there to help us understand what it means to have a relationship with God. So going on with this, um, they, we actually see that Genesis is uh, broken into 10 sections after the first chapter, which is a pro prologue. Really, the chapter 1 is a prologue about the creation of man. Uh, and it, it goes all the way into the God created everything, uh, A to Z, including man. And man is the crown of his creation. And then in Genesis, uh, basically, uh, 2, 4, uh, through the end of, of Genesis, you see 10 generations of, and you see these generations of being stories of family lines going on. And, and that actually plays out here. As you can see, that uh, the prologue is Adam and Eve being created, and then we get the Cain, uh, the, uh, Cain and Abel, and Abel being uh, killed, but Cain and 
Abel and then down to Lamech, that generation here. This is the generations of heaven and earth, um, 2 through 426, and then the generations of Adam. So it goes through Adam and then Seth, the godly line, up through uh, Genesis uh, 6. And then you get Seth to Noah, and then the generations of Noah, and then Shem, Ham, and Japheth, his children, Noah's sons, and then generations of Shem, and then it goes on into the, the uh, generations of uh, Terah, which is really the story of Abraham. So if you go back up here, those are the, these first five. And then you get the stories of Terah, Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, and Jacob. And really, Terah is the story of Abraham. Um, and uh, Isaac is really about the story of Jacob in that section. And Jacob is the story of Joseph in that, because it's, many times our stories are their children's stories. And so we see that in here. Um, and we actually... Um, so, so we see that here. This is the story of Abraham, story of Ishmael, story of Isaac and Jacob, story of Esau, story of Joseph and his brothers, and we are here, the story of Isaac and Jacob. Okay? Uh, and this, it, you get the genealogy of Esau because he's not in the chosen lines, but, you, but he's not a forgotten uh, entity either. And so we have the genealogy, that family branch off. But uh, we're in the story of uh, Jacob now. And um, last time, um, which came for me was about three weeks ago, um, was uh, that we saw that Jacob is, um, you know, Isaac's getting old, and, uh, and he sends his son out, uh, um, he sends uh, Ishmael out, to, not Ishmael, he sends Esau out to uh, go and hunt and get game and bring it in and get the blessing. And as he sends him out, we see this prelude to deception here. And then we see the beginning of the deception where uh, Rebecca uh, teams up with Jacob to steal, for him to steal that blessing. And here you get this, again, the family interactions here. You get mother and father playing favorites and pulling the kids apart. And, and we don't have perfect people here. Okay, the, 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 the description never pictures anyone as perfect except, uh, except Christ. And, and occasionally there's these vignettes of like Melchizedek or there's Enoch and Enoch walked with God and went to heaven. But it talks about Noah being righteous and yet Noah got uh, drunk and, you know, it, it, it had a problems with that. You know, and, and Moses actually killed someone before God took Moses and David committed murder and adultery. And so not, even the, the stars, the superstars of scripture are real people with real problems. And I'm not talking about small problems. I'm talking about big problems. Big people, big problems. Uh, small people, small problems, maybe, but probably not. Small people, big problems. All people have problems. And, and, uh, and that's another thing that I'd sort of like us to be thinking about as we go along here. These are not the stories of the superstars. Okay, These are stories of ordinary people. Yes, the patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were very rich. And we're going to see that in part of this passage here. But they weren't always rich, and Jacob was poor and, and had to scrabble around. But, but even if they, he didn't, um, just the fact that they were rich does not make them different from us. Okay, So, yes, the rich have some different problems. And, oh, I wish I was rich. I could take their problems. Yeah, well, you'll see that they have problems. And the, in the same problems, there are pers- uh, issues with each other and how we interact in life and, then, and, and uh, whether we want to follow God or not. So... So we get the beginning of the deception here where Rebecca schools Jacob in deceiving his father and he uh, is deceived and, uh, and, 
uh, Isaac gives the blessing to Jacob by accident. It's a wonderful blessing he gives to him. Uh, and he's suspicious, but he gives it to him. And right afterwards, in, later in Genesis, um, uh, we get the, uh, the deception discovered. And Esau's furious at this point. And, and Esau, it says, uh, and Esau nurses, uh, consoles himself by nursing the grudge that he's going to kill Jacob as soon as his father dies. Now, in, in reality, his father lives another 40, 50 years. But, he, but he, at that time, he seemed old, and he had cataracts probably because he couldn't see well, and they think he's going to die soon. But, um, but he, we see that uh, Jacob goes away and comes back either uh, 20 years or 40 years later, and, and uh, Isaac's still alive. In fact, uh, uh, not to steal the story, but most of you know it, at the end uh, when, Jacob, uh, when um, Isaac dies, Jacob and Esau bury him together. There's a reconciliation there. But at this point, there's no reconciliation. At this point, uh, Esau wants to kill Jacob. And so Jacob's going to flee uh, to Padam Haran, and uh, and we're going to talk about that today. So that brings us up to the point now. I I did want to do one other thing here, though, is give you a quick idea of the the overlap in genealogy here. So so there's this overlap with Abraham and Jacob of about 15 years. That Abraham was still alive and Jacob was about 15, up to 15. We get Sarah here, um, never really, uh, basically dying right at the time that Isaac marries Rebecca. Um, we see, by the way, that uh, to remind ourselves that uh, Sarah had trouble having a child. She didn't have a child until she was 90. We see that Isaac gets married. Um, uh, when he's uh, 40, I believe it is, and but he has to wait 20 years for the first the first the baby to come along. So, so um, that that you get um, you get this um, fertility issue, which comes up again in in scripture over and over again. And then uh, you get uh, at age 40, Esau marries local wives, and Jacob steals the blessing, and Jacob runs to Padam Haran. And then we get Joseph in prison, and we get this whole timeline. Well, wh- why am I doing this? Well, it's going to become more apparent when I get in here. But um, as a, Jose and I were actually talking about uh, Mark 5 at, at breakfast this morning. We were talking about the woman who suffered for 12 years with bleeding, and yet the 12-year-old daughter of the synagogue ruler who dies and Jesus raises. The, the, the stories are intertwined here. And, and I think part of the message of these is, in fact, these are the only two intertwined miracles in Scripture like that. And one of the reasons that I think it's intertwined like that is because um, time is involved there. There's, the, the woman suffers for 12 years. The girl is 12 years old. The woman had to wait 12 years for redemption and healing. The little girl was raised as soon as she died. The very day she died, she was raised again. Why did one person have to wait 12 years for that redemption and the other is, re- is healed right away? And answer is difficult. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. Uh, and, and, and I'm not sure there is. that, that we, God does not reveal all things to us, but he does reveal some things to us. And one of them is that he uses time in our lives, that time is a very important component of what's going on here. And so we do well to pay attention to what the times are in here. You know, when, when it says Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness, it was like 20 years later before he had the promised child, okay? 
God uses time in our lives to build faith and hope and trust. And we miss the um, encouragement of Scripture if we just pass over these time issues. Because um, we think, why am I suffering so long? And say, well, because these length of times are not unusual in Scripture. Waiting 20 years to have a baby? It's not unusual in Scripture. You say, but but why would God do that? You know, I don't have an answer for that, except to say that God does, okay, and that he uses it somehow, because nothing is wasted with God. And so we get here in this passage, just this genealogy, that Jacob really does not leave for Haran uh, until he's about, so um, uh, he had to be over 40. He stole the blessing when uh, a little bit after 40, when he was a little over 40. We don't know how much, little could be a year, five, 10 years, okay? But it was after he was 40. So he probably left for Iran when he was about 45 or so, maybe 50. Um, and this is where we pick up then. So Jake, so Isaac called, uh, Genesis 28. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him and he commanded him. Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go once to pat, go out once to pat him a ram to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples and make, give you and your descendants a blessing he gave to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as an alien, the land God gave to Abraham. And Isaac, then Isaac sent Jacob on his way and they went to Padamaran to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, whose mother was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now, Esau had learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padam Aram to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and, gone, and mother and gone to Padam Aram. And Esau realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac, so he went to Ishmael, and married Mahaloth, the sister of Nebioth, the daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wife he already had. And again, this is a passage we covered last time, so I'm going to go really quickly over this, that he goes out there, he takes it. Uh, Esau still doesn't get it. He marries another person, but it's not the Canaanite woman, per se, that, that the parents have a problem with. He, they have a problem with people that don't, again, aren't, don't fear God. And again, Laban, as we'll see, and others in his crew were not uh, as God-fearing as they should be either, and yet there was a God-consciousness of an all-omnipotent God that, that ruled over everything. And so we see Jacob in verse 10. Jacob left Perceba and went out for Iran, and we see that he reached a place. He went to sleep, and he found the ladder. We talked about last week that went up to heaven, and we see God's going to, uh, says he's going to bless him. And Jacob makes a vow that, listen, if you give, if you give me uh, food and clothing and sustain me on this journey, that of everything you give me, I will give back a tenth. And he's not making a deal with God here. He's basically saying, I will honor what you give me. Okay? So, so we see a God consciousness in Jacob even here. Okay? That, that God meets with him and he's able to understand. He gets the blessing that God gives to him. But he, he responds back and says, listen, if you, if you provide for me, then... If, then you will be my God. So it says, um, so that I return safely to my father's house, verse 21, then the Lord will be my God, and, and this stone I've set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And so we see that, uh, that uh, he has this consciousness there. 
We also see that he goes, he, he goes by himself, okay? So when, when um, Abraham sent his, his, uh, his uh, steward to go and fetch a bride for Isaac, he goes with camels and golds and stuff like that. In fact, that's one of the reasons he, uh, Laban is so uh, anxious to uh, greet Jacob we see here because he knows that they're, they're, they're the, the lives of the rich and the famous, okay? They're billionaires in, in that area. He, he is, uh, uh, Abraham is so strong and so powerful, so rich that uh, nations, the Hittites, make treaties with him, we see in there. And so, and very honored. And so when uh, Jacob arrives, you know, Laban is really excited, okay? But um, uh, there probably is some wondering, too, because he doesn't arrive with all these gifts and everything. He arrives basically with the shirt on his back and some, some things because he actually has um, gives some gifts, but but they're not. It's not the caravan that the other one would be, and so we see in cha- uh, chapter twenty nine that Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. It's very interesting because we get we get uh, the um, Padam Aram here. We get the eastern peoples. We get uh, Haran uh, in verse ten, of the prior thing. They're all the same place. They're all in that eastern area up in the Tigris and Euphrates and and. Um, and I'm not sure why different phrases used each time, but it is used each time in three different three different phrases. But again, that that's sort of a center thing. But I will say this is that's actually the close to where the ark uh, the um, uh, the ark probably made touched back down after after the flood, um, and and where things spread out. And so perhaps there, there's again the incipient. Uh, understanding of who God really is in that area. But we, we get this, that he, he continues on his way, he comes to the land of the eastern peoples, and there he saw a well in the field and with three flocks of sheep lying near, the, near it, because the flocks were watered from that well. And the stone over the mouth of the well was large. And when all the flocks were gathered, um, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the mouth, well's mouth and, the, and water the sheep. And then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. And Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran, they replied. And he said to them, Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Oh, yes, we know him, they answered. And then Jacob asked him, Is he well? Oh, yes, he is. And there, here comes his daughter Rachel with the sheep. And look, he said, The sun is still high. It's not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back to the pastures. We can't, they replied, until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. And while he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was the shepherdess. And when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brothers, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Then Laban kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. And he told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and the son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father. Well, let's stop here. Let's just get some do the setting here because it's pretty important. Um, it's the middle of the day, and there's three flocks of sheep, and and the, so the way you make money raising sheep is sheep eat grass and they grow and you get you get meat and you get wool from there. So if you're bringing your sheep in in the middle of the day, you're losing half your feed time, okay? Because they didn't have grain, so they they need to get out there, and they bring them in and water them. 
they're, then they, they're in for the afternoon. They're, they're, they're there. And so it's unusual for something to be happening in the middle of the day, but there it is. We don't know why. Uh, we also see the stone here, and we don't know whether or not that stone was so heavy it took everybody to roll it off, or whether it was just an agreement that they didn't roll it off until everyone was gathered. I do, we're not sure here. Uh, we do know that Jacob rolls that stone away, and I will say that so Jake, we get the impression sometimes that Jacob was a man of the tents, it says in there, but he wasn't a wimp, okay? He was, he, he, and he shepherds. He becomes a shepherd, too. He is not a... Um, um, He's not an Esau. He's not a, a big hunter man, but he is someone who works with his hands and doesn't fear work and works hard. And he's there and he sees this stone, he rolls it away and he waters the sheep. Um, and then comes Rebecca. I, I'm sorry, Rachel. So now we come to another question. Okay. So Rachel is a shepherdess, but later we learned that Laban has sons. And so we wonder why is Rachel doing the shepherding. Maybe it's just this day she's standing in. Maybe it's one of the flocks and there's other flocks. Maybe uh, there, uh, but it's interesting. They don't mention any of Laban's sons on there. They just mention Rachel. Uh, and they don't mention Leah. And Leah is the older daughter. They don't say she's a, a shepherdess or anything, but here you have Rachel. Uh, and um, Rachel is probably marriageable age, which is uh, she's old enough to take care of the sheep. But she's probably not that old. She's probably in the range of 14, 15, 16, uh, which would be a marriageable age on there. She has an older sister who's not married. Okay, and so, so this is sort of the setup on this. Uh, verse 13, as soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him, and he embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. And then Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. Now, we, most of us know these stories, um, and for that reason, it's probably good to take it slower and for you to read through this. So if you, you're following along and you're looking at this, I would say that um, I've gone through this passage because I'm teaching it now uh, at, least, at least two dozen times in the past couple months. And um, I, I, I try to go slowly and try to see things. I listen to it on the Bible and stuff like that. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to try to see that person, see what's going on here. Because here's this guy that's traveled a long way. It's about 400 miles, by the way, there. And it's by foot. He went up there. And he gets there, and he arrives, and he first sees Rachel. He falls in love with her. We should find out later. And, uh, and, and he comes, and he meets Laban. And, and Laban is Rebecca's brother. And Rebecca, Laban seems to be a sort of, oily, slick type of guy even before. He certainly comes out this way later. But, but, he, but Rebecca's probably saying he's told to go to Laban. He's specifically directed to Laban. So he expects Laban to be a nice guy and, and, and stay there. And sure enough, Laban welcomes in. You're my own flesh and blood. And so you get this situation where this is a, uh, uh, he's no longer a young man. Again, he's 45 years old or so. Laban's probably 80 or 90. He's, 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 he's Isaac's age. And he's like, you're my own flesh and blood. You know, you're like, like a, just assigned to me. Because Rebecca and Laban are about the same age, about 80. So you're 45 or so for Jacob. And we see here, after Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you're a relative of mine, why should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. So apparently... 
Jacob goes to work immediately. You know, he's there for a whole month. It says after he'd been there a whole month, which gives the impression, it doesn't say after he'd been there a month. It says after he'd been there for a month of days is what it says. And, and it's sort of like the, the emphasis there is already he's working and not getting paid anything. So there's already this incipient um, uh, setup of what Laban is going to be doing with him later. Um, and it says, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. And Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban, and Laban said, it is better to give um, her to, um, to you than to some other man. Stay with me here. So Jacob served him seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days because of his love for her. A lot of stuff in here. And again, we don't cover it all. This is to give you, this study is to help you understand so you can go in here and apply this too in your lives. But um, uh, he had two daughters. The older was Leah. Um, and she had, um, um, uh, she had weak eyes. So um, we don't know what that means. We don't know if she had heart, bad eyesight or her eyes didn't look really good or whatever. Something about her appearance was, was sort of off. And she wasn't married. Maybe people thought that she wouldn't make a good wife or whatever, but she wasn't married. But Rachel was beautiful. Just like her, her, uh, her uh, aunt was. Rebecca was beautiful. Sarah was beautiful. Both Rebecca and Sarah were so beautiful that both their husbands said, say you're my sister. Don't let anyone know that because they thought they'd be killed. Okay, So Rachel's probably of the same beauty. It's very interesting that it says Jacob loved her. Um, I actually it, it clicked off on me when I read here, and it's very interesting that uh, it says Isaac loved Rebecca. It never says Rebecca loved Isaac. It never says that Leah or Rachel loved Jacob. Uh, I, but it does say that the men loved the women here. And so there is this love component in here. But you don't know what the reciprocity was. Now, I do think there was reciprocal love with, uh, with in there. But you don't see it there. You can't say for sure there. Uh, and I sort of wonder why it says the men were in love, but it doesn't really comment on where the women are. Now, you can say that, but well, that's how the Bible is written. Maybe so. I don't think so. I, I have to say... The Bible has lots of things that go against cultural norms as far as expressing things. And if that was important, it would have been in there. And because it wasn't, I don't know. That's a, so think about that, though. Um, but he's going to serve for seven years, and it seems like a day. So here he is. Let, let's say he was 43. And that would be the youngest he would have been. And so seven years, he's 50 years old. And he, he, get, he works for seven years, and maybe Rachel is now 20. 21, 22, Leah's probably 23, 24, 25, early 20s, both of them. And it says here, um, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, my time is completed, and I want to lie with her. Well, that's a pretty bland, uh, upfront statement there, okay? You know, it's like, I want, thought I want to get married. It's like, I want to lie with her, okay? I'm seven years, and I'm ready. And, um, you know, so Laban brought together all the people of the place. So, so this is interesting. So Laban doesn't say okay. Catch this. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. When evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant, uh, his servant girl uh, Zilpah to his daughter as his maidservant. And when morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel then, I. Why have you deceived me? Now, he slept with her. 
that's marriage, okay? It, 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 this this um, situation, he is now legally bound to Leah, okay? And, and Jacob cheated him, but he didn't violate the agreement quite. Okay, so here you get this two men trying to cheat each other while not cheating each other. You know, you get this, this tension in here of J Jacob acted honestly here, and he, he gets cheated. And, and Laban comes back and says, oh, it's not our custom to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish the daughter's bridal week, and then, uh, and then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. So he basically says... You have seven years for each of them, so 14 years total. But you got both of them. It's a good deal. It's what, so that's what Laban is, is trying to he's, – he's a salesman here. And, and sure enough, uh, Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah. So there was a week where they basically – that was the honeymoon, where we get a honeymoon from. But they were basically by themselves in their tents for a week, you know. And, uh, and he finished out the bridal week with her, which was – right and proper, and then he went, turned over and married Rachel and did the, the same thing. And so all of a sudden, Leah, who had to participate in this, okay, so you, you wonder whether she did this knowingly, willingly, whether she, she, again, Jacob had been in the house for seven years. She had been with him for seven years. She knew that it was Rachel he loved, yet she let her father give her away. So is there a desperateness for herself or really wanting to be loved uh, by Jacob? Um, and so, um, uh, and Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and, and Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. And Laban gave his servant girl Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maidservant. And Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. Okay. So here it says it loves Rachel more than Leah. It doesn't say that he does not love Leah. But we see in subsequent things that he really doesn't love her as much. Now, I do believe that over time love grew between them. So, but, but we don't really see what's going on here immediately. Um, we also see this. So, so he's, he's 50, 55, 55 years old. These girls are in their early 20s. Um, so I'm an older guy now. I'm 62, and to me, anybody under 30 is a kid. It, you know, it's it's just it, it, that's just how they seem to me. You know, and so he married kids, okay, and, and and they're not children, okay, they're young adults. I don't mean to say that he did anything wrong there, except there's a huge age gap. But that was not uncommon in those time periods because a guy had to establish himself before he he got married many times. But, but what I'm saying is that a lot of the reactions that now you see with these women that we're going to be reading about are not the reactions of a, an older woman who's of Jacob's age. Uh, you're seeing these younger women fighting, basically fighting for a place in the household. Okay, And, uh, and you, you understand that their livelihood and who they are and their whole, uh, who they, really who they are, is tied to this, and so there's a desperateness in all this too. It's not just about love; it's about life, living, and having security here too. So as we go on with that, um, 
be a lot, I think be more charitable on the women as they get this rivalry going, because there is a rivalry that goes on here. Uh, we see in verse 31, when the Lord saw Leah was not loved, again, not, um, in fact, uh, one, some uh, passages tra- translated as hated, when he saw that he was hated, but she wasn't hated, it wasn't, it was that he was, she was not loved in comparison with uh, Rachel. He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren, and Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. So she, God opens her womb. Okay, so, so again, there's pregnancy issues in here in these, um, uh, these women, okay? Certainly with uh, Leah and Rachel. Um, the maidservants don't seem to have as much of a problem, but we see that in this. Uh, but, but not with Leah either, because Leah opens, God opens the womb. So it says specifically that God opened her womb. So that this is God's way of providing for the unloved. He, he makes, he gives her a child to love and to, to actually help the husband, to bond with the husband. Um, and then she has a second one. She conceived again and gave birth to a son because the Lord has heard that I am not loved. He's gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. And again, she conceived and gave birth to a son. Now at last, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So she named him Levi. And she conceived again and she gave birth to a son. And she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And then she stopped having children. Now, this is very interesting. So the first four children, there's going to be 12 boys overall. 11 of them are going to be born here. One's going to be born when they, after they go back to the promised land. But, but here, the first four are Leah's children, okay? God opens her womb, and she produces four children. And um, we're not, we get the indication that this is fairly um, close, but it can only be so close because normally... Uh, women would have children two or three years apart because they normally wean them, and that would act as some form of natural birth control to an extent, um, as far as spacing a baby. So these four, but 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 in any case, um, he let, let's say it's every other year. He's eight years. Okay, so for eight years, um, Leah's having a baby every other year, and Rachel's sitting there with no baby. And so this was going on. And so Rachel's so first chapter thirty. Uh, when Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Lay, give me children or I'll die. And Jacob became angry with her and said, am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? So this, now there's this tension here. Because let's say it's been eight years and they've been trying to have babies. And they haven't had babies for eight years. And Rachel said, give me children. What am, you know, I mean, what's going on here? Okay. And so... Um, there's this tension, this strong tension that's running here because the one he loves has no children and the one that he does not love is having children and he's being blamed on this and he's like, it's not me. And I'm not, you know, you're almost here an undercurrent here. If it was me, then Leah wouldn't be having babies. Okay, this is, this is you. And he says, am I in the place of God? But it's like, you're the one not having babies, not me, not wanting for you to have babies. And so, uh, so uh, then Leah, uh, Rachel takes the step. Uh, this is my servant, Bilhah, my maidservant. Verse 3, sleep with her so she can bear children for me and that through her I too can build a family. So she gave her a servant, Bilhah, as a wife. And Jacob slept with her and she became pregnant and bore him a son. 
Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. And because of this, he named him Dan. Now, I want to go back just one second to digress on these first four names here. That the first three children that Leah had um, are, now I'll be loved. Now my husband will love me. But the fourth one, she actually says, this time I will praise the Lord. So she actually, for Leah, it seems to be at the place where she realizes God's love for her. She has these children and, and, and doing that. Same way that, um, that Rachel here says, God has heard me. I can't have a baby, but he's, he's rewarded me for giving my, my uh, um, uh, servant to her. And it says, um, verse 7, Rachel's servant, Bilhah, has served again aboard Jacob, a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister, and I have won. So she named him Naphtali. So, um, so I, I'm going to tell you the order here. I actually have a little cheat sheet in here where I write down Leah, 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 uh, uh, Bilha, Bilha, Zilpa, Zilpa, Leah, Leah, Rachel. So it goes four Leah, two Bil, Bilha, two Zilpa, and then a couple more Leahs, and then Rachel at the very end. We're going to say that. So, so, the, so what gets in here, and you look at the thing, is that you got a couple of them. Um, you get four children from Leah. You get the two from um, Rachel's maidservant, and then two from the... Um, Zilpa, uh, Leah's maidservant, and then you get a couple more, um, Leah, and then Rachel finally has a baby. So, so, so the maidservants are involved in this. This has is, is become war, okay? So Rachel gives and has two sons. Leah finds, says, uh, verse 9, when Leah saw she had stopped having children, she took her maidservant Zilpa and gave her to Jacob as a wife, and Leah's servant Zilpa bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, what good fortune, so she named him Gad. And Leah's servant Zilpah poor Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, how happy I am. The woman will call me happy. So she named her Asher. Um, okay, so let's stop here. There's now eight children in play. Uh, we, we, know that, we know that it says that Jacob loved Rachel. We don't have any indication of how much he cared for Leah, except to say that she was not loved, okay? Uh, and we never hear anything about the maidservants. And so... So you think, somebody would say, well, wow, I mean, this guy has four wives. I mean, that's, you know, he must really love that. Uh, maybe. Uh, more than likely, uh, this is a man that has no control of his life, his personal life. You have two women, that his, his primary wives, that are tearing at him in either arm and giving maidservants that he has to sleep with. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he did it willingly or unwillingly, but I'm just saying that it does, his life seems to be planned for him here. He doesn't seem to have much control over what's going on in his family life. Um, and so, I don't know. I don't know. But, you, but you think, in a lot of situations, you think that, well, everything just works out so well for those who want to follow God. And I actually, by the way, really think that Jacob wanted to follow God. I think there was an intent there. There's God consciousness there. And Jacob, I think, wanted to do the right thing. He did cheat. And we're going to talk about that. But I don't think that was his, his primary. Some people pose, uh, give Jacob as a, uh, a grasper and deceiver, and he was by nature a sneaky person. And there is warrant for that because he did steal the birthright and the blessing. Okay, I mean, there's, there's definitely, he had his problems here. And yet, um, he seems to want to help along God. It doesn't seem to be that he wants to do things without God. But he does sometimes think that God needs a, uh, an assist. 
And so he's there ready to give that assist. But now he's in over his head, okay? He's been cheated by Laban. He's got, he's, I have to say, I hesitate to use a word, but it's sort of like henpecked. He's sort of, he's not in control of his domestic life here. I, I get no idea. There's no indication that it's him that has anything to do. And then you get this, this passage. Um, uh, verse 14, during wheat harvest, Reuben went out to the fields and found some mandrake plants. And this is, by the way, why I say this is eight children in and Reuben was the first, but unless he was eight years old, the, 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 it was, there was a bigger spacing out here. So there's a very good chance that, that, uh, that it was like every other year in these, these children thing. And it, so Reuben goes out, finds some mandrake plants, uh, which are brought to his uh, brought to his mother Leah, and Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Now, Rachel's being nice. Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. And, and uh, uh, Leah says to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? And you get this, I mean, it's atomic warfare here, okay? Leah cheated to get Jacob, but now that was Jacob's husband. Now you stole him from me, where it was always in there. Rachel um, I must say, responds very well. <laughs> but she says, very well. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's manager. She didn't go and say, you stole him from me, not the other way around. She says, okay, okay. So, so you get this tension, this fighting, and the mandrakes, by the way, are supposed to improve fertility. That's what they're supposed to do. And so by getting these mandrakes, um, she has a chance of having a child. That's the, the, the thing in there. Um, uh, so you must sleep with me. I've hired you with my son's mandrake. So we slept with her that night. So God listened to Rachel, uh, uh, listened to Leah, excuse me, and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. So, so much for the mandrakes, okay? They didn't work. But, but, uh, but Leah, uh, Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my maidservant to my servant. So she named him Isaacar, okay? And, uh, and then she conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has presented me with the precious gifts, so my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Um, and, uh, it, and then it says, sometime later she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. Now, this is not to say that he did not have other daughters, okay? I, he, my guess is he didn't. I think this is that he only had a daughter. But this could also be that it's only being introduced here because later Diner comes into play uh, with in another incident, and they're setting up saying where she was born in the line, so to speak, here. Um, and then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and opened her womb, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace, and she named him Joseph. May the, uh, this is the bargaining with God. May the Lord add to me another son, because Joseph sounds like may the Lord add another. So it's, these, these names here are very indicative of what you see going on here. There, there's this real fight, and she finally has a child. This is the 12th child, counting Dinah's 12th child of, of the thing. There's going to be a 13th later, Benjamin, when you've been there. But, but if, if and, and these babies were coming out at a rate about every other year, and they may have been more or less, and we're talking about 24 years, okay? So, so Jacob serves for seven years, starts a family at seven years, and there's 24 years, so about 31 years. There's some questions. So it talks, we'll see here that it says that um, uh, one passage that he was there for 20 years, but then it mentions 20 years twice. And so it might be that Jacob was either in this land 
for 20 years or for 40 years. And again, I mention this because it's a time issue. Um, because um, it seems hard to believe that he could have got such wealth, and he does leave with great wealth in 40 years, if for the first 14 years, or 20 years, if for the first 14 years he's working for someone else and he only has six years at the end to gain that wealth. And he has 13 years to have all these kids and gained all that wealth. So there's a very good chance he was there for 40 years, two 20-year periods. And, uh, and so he, he comes about 45, and he leaves at about 85. And that sort of fits the timeline when he gets back, too. And so uh, this is the prime of his life. Um, he's, worked, he's, he's worked himself ragged first for his wife and then having children. He sort of traded around, you know, for the, you know, you, oh, you're going to sleep with me tonight. Oh, no, no, I need my maidservant. You know, you, you wonder if he had some kind of little calendar that they, who gets who did for the night. He's not in control of his life there, and he's not in control of his life really with Laban. But he's trying to get control of his life, okay? And he does have some control. He married the girl he wanted to marry, and he, he married Leah too. And, and I don't think, again, that he didn't want to. It's just that that was not the plan if he had a single wife. And Leah gave him children, which is very, very important to men and women back in the Old Testament. And so there's this, and by the way, Leah is buried with Jacob at the end. Rachel is buried along the way. She is not buried in the same tomb with Jacob, but Leah is buried. So, so there's something that happens over these years and times and families forming. And what I say is I, I don't have the answers for this. But, but you've got family situations. I've got family situations. And you look, what, what was God doing here? What was, and what's happening in my life? You know, now that, you know, where am I? You know, my youngest child about ready to leave, graduating from college this year. My oldest one, you know, New York City, 30 years old and out on his own and doing well. And a couple girls in between. And, and where, one local and one far away. And where, what, did, what would God have me do with him? Sometimes we... We have a, um, uh, the term, I guess, it come up, adulting, how to raise adult children type thing. What does God want me? Where's my interaction with them? And, and as they have relationships with uh, their spouses, you know, two of them married, uh, what, where is the proper place for me to say things or just keep my mouth shut? And when I observe things, how does it remind me of when I was young and we were having our children? So, so. I say that here because these passages will speak to you individually about what's going on. I can't give you those answers, but God will illumine them if you pray and, and ask the Holy Spirit to do that. So um, the, uh, after, Jacob, uh, uh, after Rachel gave birth to Joseph, uh, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my homeland. Um, so here it is, by the way, rivalry increases, God intervenes again. Laban bargains with Jacob, okay? Um, Send me on my way so I can go back to my homeland. Give me my wives and my children for whom I've served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He he added, Name your wages, and I will pay them. So again, Laban says, You you name the wages, and I'll pay them. Just like I did last time. You, you, you think it had been a warning there, okay? But anyway, Jacob said to him, You know how I've worked for you and how uh, livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you, whatever I have been. Well, now, what may I do 
when may I do something for my own household? And Laban says, what shall I give you? Again, master, master. He doesn't interact and start arguing. Says, what should I give you? You name it. Don't give me anything, Jacob said. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb, every spotted or speckled goat, and they will be my wages, and my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on my wages, you have paid me. Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted, or any lamb that is not dark-colored will be considered stolen. So that's the deal. And Laban winds up cheating Jacob again. So this is where he goes. He says... Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. That same day, he, that's by the way, Laban, removed all the male goats that were streaked or speckled or spotted or spotted female goats and all he had white on them and all the dark-colored lambs and he placed them in the care with his sons and he put them a three-day journey between himself and Jacob while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. So Jacob said, let me go through today and get them all. And Laban says, agreed, the deal is done. And then he says to his kids, get all the hogs and move them three days away. So before Jacob has a chance to get there and take them, the, the sons take them still. So, so, so Jacob is left with zero. He has no, nothing on this. So this was going to be the initial, and then he get the thing. So he starts from zero. So again, Jacob tries to help God along. Uh, Jacob, however... Um, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plain, and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. And then he placed the peeled branches, uh, uh, peeled branches and all the water and troughs so they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. And when the flocks were at heat and came to drink, they made it in front of the branches, and they bore young that were streaked, speckled, or spotted. Okay, so let me talk about this real quick. There's lots of talk on this, and I don't have an answer for this, and it really is not that important, but it always gets brought up, okay? Sometimes they say he stripped those things so that when the sheep were there, they, there was the white and the black alternating, so they all looked streaked or spotted. So he could bring other ones in that were all white, but they wouldn't show that way. And so he sort of cheated him by bringing in um, some of the white lambs and, and getting spotted out and mating them with spotted ones to get the spotted rings because it's hard to breed pure white. And so he, he increased that way. Others say that when he exposed the paint branches, they saw the stripes and they brought forth stripes. It was an ancient superstition. Others say that there was some kind of compound in the sap of these things that when they drank, it was mutagenic and caused them to bring forth rain. I have no idea of that. Okay. I don't know what happened. I do know this, that he became rich. So, what, so he was definitely trying to help God along here. He was definitely trying to do something maybe not totally cheating, but certainly at the edge of it, okay? Because, you know, um, and, but it's, the, the flocks still increase, okay? The flock. So it, it says here, um, thus he made separate flocks for himself and that put him with Laban's animals. And whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. And again, I, I, I tend to think what the article thing is, is from a distance, they all look like they were, uh, streaked and spotted ones that was going on. And so he put the strong ones 
in with the streaked and spotted uh, frost breed, so to speak, and get, get their stronger animals. But the animals were weak, you would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maid servants and men servants and camels and donkeys. So, by the way, owning a camel is not like owning a sheep, okay? You know, 10 camels or 10 sheep, one camel. The camels were like the uh, semi trucks of the uh, desert, the caravan things. And then. And, and so when it says that he had not only flocks, he had maidservants and men servants, camels and donkeys, he was he had become a millionaire by our standards, okay? He was he was very rich. Um, and so God still blesses him in spite of what he's trying to do. Now, uh, maybe in spite, um, maybe through, although I doubt God does not I didn't honor cheating, okay? And there's questionable if this was cheating or not. Probably was. Okay, I, in my opinion, probably was. Um, sometimes God blesses us in spite of our, our, our problems, but not because we cheat. Okay, that, that never happens because we do the wrong. God never blesses something because we sin. Sometimes he blesses us in spite of that. Um, so I'm, we're going to stop here, um, and we're going to talk about Jacob's theme from Laban later on, but I wanted to bring some stuff up here. Um, and it's going to, and we'll delve into it more next time. Um, of all the people of Scripture, I probably identify most with Jacob. This is for me. I'm always, I've always been struggling, always been striving. I have taken the shortcuts I shouldn't have taken, and um, and I've always felt, in a sense, cheated that I felt like I was like Jacob, not like Abraham. Abraham just trusted God. But you know, Abraham didn't just trust God and it happened. Abraham had to, we only have a few incidents, but he had to work at things too. And he had to go and have an army rescue Lot. And, and he had to live with the ignominy and shame of giving his wife away. And he had the same problems with wives and Hagar and stuff like that, and babies. And, um, but he didn't have the same strife that Jacob did. And, and I always felt like, you know, wouldn't it be nice to just have that faith and that rock and think, well, number one, that is not the truth. That's, that's, that's putting Abraham, taking a vignette of Abraham and making it his whole life, and that wasn't it. But also this, God, I, the interesting thing in the intervening weeks is I've gone back and read some science fiction that I haven't read for a while, listened to it on Audible. And, and actually, there's a, uh, one story about uh, the problem of pain and death and suffering. And uh, is an alien race that doesn't believe believes in God, but does not believe in an immortal soul, and the soul dies. And and, and the best, uh, the best that can be said of a life, um, is that they fight when they die. That they 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 die a good death is what it said, because they struggle with God. And, and their their theology, this alien race's theology. And by the way, this is written by a Jewish science fiction writer. Has a very good grasp on Christianity too. And, he, and it's told from the story of a Christian believer trying to make sense of this, this, this thing, is that God made us different. And that part of, of, of what God wants us to understand is that we are different, that we are our own people. And to struggle with God is not to dishonor God, but it's part of what it means to understand that we are different and we have choices to make. And we're responsible for those choices. We won't go into that next week because that's that's really the section where he wrestles with God 
God, that, but it's not wrong to strive with God. That's what, that's what that, that story was saying. Um, and, and it really hit me, wow, isn't it interesting that this gap occurs here, right when I'm doing this and I'm going through the Isaiah passage and this is coming in and there's some stuff at work that plays into all this. And I'm thinking, you know, God wants us to enjoy and to give praise to him that we are different from him, that we are not the same people. Um, uh, God, God could have made some kind of extension, but he didn't of himself. And yet he made us individuals that can have fellowship with him. And so part of what that means is to understand ourselves and our own responsibility and to struggle to understand what God wants from us and to, com to come into that, um, I wouldn't say compliance, but coherence, unity with him, just as Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane. When, Jesus was, when Jesus was on earth as a human, for a moment there was a time when his will was not God's will, God the Father's will. He says, if you can take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done, indicating that he understood what it was to be different from God and understand, and, and although he was God. This is the mystery. You can't, you can't, you, words are inadequate to talk about what's going on here, and yet there's an understanding and a struggle to say, I understand that there could be a difference, but not, yes, I I want to be with you in, in community with you. And that's what this whole, that's what all Genesis is about. And that's what this passage is about. And that's, and so it's interesting because Abraham is a father of faith, but Jacob is the one that had the new name, Israel. He struggles with God. And that God thought so much of that when he blessed them that he gave him a new name because God approved of that. God wants us to struggle with him. He wants us to be asking the hard questions. He, wants, he doesn't want us to just meekly accept things because we can't do it. He wants us to accept things because we've struggled and understand and, and, and agree in that. And so I, I guess I've got a new understanding of Jacob that makes me feel a little better that I'm so much like him. Um, and I, I have to say that I, I think uh, I, I'm not an outlier on that. I think a lot of people feel like that. Uh, not everyone have the same personality. Some have maybe more personality of an Abraham or Isaac. But again, realize that that was not the little we see in their scripture is not their entire life because it was just a few incidents. We see much more of Jacob um, and we see him striving the whole time and struggling. But again, he receives approval of God for what he does. So let us close in prayer now, and um, we'll pick up next week in chapter 31. Lord, we thank you for the time we have together. We thank you that you love us and care for us, and you love us so much that you did make us different from you, and yet you desire fellowship with us. And so we pray that we might love and honor you, that we might, uh, if we struggle as we struggle with what you have for us, that we would do so in a way that um, honors you, and, and really uh, recognizes that you love us and care for us. We, we love you, Jesus, and we pray that you um, live in our lives, that your Holy Spirit would help us love you more and draw us closer to you. We pray in your name.